I've always struggled with my mood when I'm premenstrual, but it got to the point last October, November time. And I remember because I voice messaged my sister when I was out for a walk and I said, if this is a normal level of feeling low and feeling anxious, I never want to find out what a like clinically significant level of anxiety and depression is because this is hard. And yes, it's a global pandemic. Yes, I'm navigating self-employment for the first time yes it's winter yes you know everybody's under a lot of stress and anxiety and it's normal to be struggling with that but how come every month I have a couple of weeks where it feels manageable manageable and a week and a half where I honestly just feels like I'll never feel okay again and that's when I was like I need to do something about this Welcome to the podcast, Is It Normal? Where myself, Rachel, coach at Courageously You and your podcast host will be interviewing guests to share our experiences and stories of relationships, self-understanding and acceptance, and just making sense of what is our normal in a world that loves to tell us who we are and how we should be. Hello! Oh my goodness, I am so excited for today's episode. Um, we are switching up the format today. I am the guest. Ha! Oh, finally, for the, I think we're on the 12th or the 13th episode, I get to say most of the things. Um, a huge thank you to Holly Maunders for taking over as host and doing such a good job today of guiding the conversation. We're talking about is it normal that my premenstrual syndrome led me to antidepressants? Because that is the journey that I've been on. I say over the last three months, but most of my adult life, trying to figure out what to do about my PMS. I'm sharing my story from using contraception to finding a place of acceptance, how and why I eventually decided to medicate. The general landscape of why it is so difficult to understand and talk about the way that our hormones impact our mental health. And I'll also explain the way in which I'm using antidepressants because it's a very specific um, method for PMS. Two things I want to say before the start of this episode. Of course, firstly, bit of a disclaimer, neither Holly nor I are medical professionals or doctors. We're merely just we're just sharing our experiences because I think it's so important that we talk about this topic. But of course, if you have any questions or concerns or want to explore the options available to you, please consult your doctor. And I'll put some links in the show notes as well to help with that. Second thing I want to add, just in the uh, spirit of giving you the most honest representation ever (laughs) of what is happening here, Um, when me and Holly had the conversation, I talk about side effects that I experienced when I first started taking citalopram. Um, And I forgot to mention one side effect, which was I struggled to sleep for about two, three days, and then it wore off. So not a huge deal, but I just wanted to make sure you had the most clear and honest picture of um, what it was like to make this transition. If this episode resonates with you, if you feel truly seen and heard, please send me a message on Instagram at Courageously You Coaching. I would love to hear your thoughts and your experiences. This is a conversation we need to talk about more and we need to be aware that we're not alone and that it's, it's tricky to navigate and just, yeah, open up that space. So I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what sticks. Here we go. And we have nice little whimsical interludes like the one we had last time. Although I'm very disappointed we're not wearing our matching jumpers again this time, I know. Rachel. 
me too which I shouldn't even think about it right I should have just tried my luck just in case you were going to be wearing it <laughs> I was literally thinking what happens if I put on this pink t-shirt that I'm wearing this pink long sleeve t-shirt and and then you're wearing something similar and I was just thinking in my head I was like it'd be really nice to be like oops I did it again <laughs> especially with my little headset I've got going on now yes. and uh, if you put me singing in the podcast I think I might cry so uh, just a heads up <laughs> I, prob- I prob- probably, keep probably that will that's good. <laughs> Oh yes, classic. Oh, yes. No, I don't really care. <laughs> I wish I was channeling um, this like '90s pop headset vibe. I think I've got one somewhere. I might, I might um, fish that out for future. Great. So, um, I guess I start, which is really weird because I so haven't weird. hosted a podcast before. But <laughs> thank you so much for entrusting your baby with me to sort of lead the way today and uh, to gauge some more insights from you, which is, I think, going to be fascinating to your listeners. Oh, thank so you. Our question today is, is it normal that PMS led me to antidepressants? And I think it's a really interesting topic kind of in various stages, really, because you have the PMS element and then the antidepressants element. And I think hormonal hormonal mental health is probably the most stigmatized and not frequently spoken about topic there is for a woman at the moment. Um, And uh, I think it's a really good one to to dive into. So um, I guess to start with, it'd be great to hear about your journey and experience of of being hormonal or being a woman. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and I totally with you on the whole, like it's a stigmatized and difficult topic to kind of unpick and talk about um and oh sorry I'm just excited because it's it's such a weird it's it's good but I'm like not used to being able to just (laughs) talk I have to I I said to myself earlier like slow because when I host or when I coach I'm more slow and deliberate but when I'm talking with friends I'm like well let me tell you about my hormones and then there's this thing that's like so I was like oh I'm not sure how I am. So I think it'd be interesting to listen back and see if I take a more considered approach to what I'm saying as a host or not. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, sorry, yeah. your journey. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think I've always been obsessed with talking about hormones. And one of my good friends I lived with for the first two years that I lived in uh, London um, once said, said something to me like, you always describe yourself within like a boundary of your hormonal cycle so you're either premenstrual on your period postmenstrual but there's always something going on there around like oh i feel like this because of this or this is what's going on with my mood and i wanted to talk about this question because i just feel like i've been around this whole this whole cycle of like what is what is a normal level of being hormonal what is a normal level of feeling out of control with your emotions and with your home with your hormones and then what is a normal way to deal with it um because i've spent probably most of my adult life trying to figure out how to fix it in some way or another and i think both from a health a healthy approach and an unhealthy approach and the reason why i wanted to talk about it today is because um now i've started medicating for it it was like, oh my God, there's a whole option here that I didn't know was available to me that has, for me personally right now, completely solved the problem. And it just blows my mind. And I see this episode as like a discussion, but also like a little party for me because um, 
it's been three I was waiting to see how it had been after three months Mm. and it's now been three months and it seems to be still going okay because I thought at the beginning is this too good to be true um and so now I'm like I honestly I just walk around the house being like this is amazing I've just had (laughs) (laughs) this week should have been a pre-menstrual week for me and I can explain I guess more about what that means but I haven't had any mood related problems and that is so far so far into me I can't even get my head around it but it just feels so great um so yeah I've been on this whole like up and down what is the right thing to do tried loads of different stuff from um like contraception to acceptance to despair um yeah yeah I think a lot of people can relate to that. And it's it's really interesting that you're talking about, um, I mean, call me naive. I didn't even realise that antidepressants could help with PMS. I had absolutely no idea until you said it. And I have myself been on anxiety medication. I came off of it in September last year, but I was on it for about three years prior to that. Um, mm-hmm. And I have since realised that it is hormonal relate, hormone related um, right. in terms of how it benefited me because I now have some of those symptoms myself. And so I'm very interested Ooh. to learn from you, Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's so, I didn't either at all. And the go-to tends to be contraception, doesn't it? Like, oh, if you're struggling with your mood, take the pill. Um, and sometimes it can be the worst. Yeah, yeah. And it was amazing to me. So I spoke to a doctor last December and, you know, 2020 has been a year, right? It's been stressful. Mm -hmm. And this is, and I think this is partly why that talking about hormones and mental health is so complicated because I recognize that there is an interaction between like existing stress and anxiety and my hormones. If I am on holiday and I have zero stress and nothing to worry about, my mood symptoms aren't really that much of a problem in the same way it's when they have something to like feed off and I spoke to a doctor in December was it November and just about general stress and anxiety I'm really struggling with this I'm feeling really down we talked about sleep routine uh, diet exercise and at the end of the conversation this was like a 25 minute conversation it was amazing she said is there anything else you want to talk about today and I said actually I forgot to mention I forgot to mention a quite a significant piece of this which is although I recognize stress and anxiety is present for me right now it is so much worse when I'm premenstrual and, and I'm talking to you now because I am in this hole I said do you think if I exercise better sleep better drink more water get my routine set that will solve the problem and she said no not necessarily wow. and I went what, what? <laughs> what and she was like well if it's you know if it's hormone related there's options for that you might want to think about contraception you might want to think about antidepressants and I was like I cannot believe you have just validated something for me that for years and I'm not going to sit here and say no doctor has ever acknowledged it I've I've never even taken it to a doctor I've never I would never have gone and been like I'm struggling because I feel you know in a state of despair every month because I am a woman it just was so not where I wanted to go. So when she said that, I was like, fuck, this is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. And it is incredible how often, personally and through anecdotal conversations with friends and family, 
that we often, even though doctors are trained and fully equipped to fully support you with a variety of different things, that we don't talk about it. A prime example, I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, for those that aren't in the know. And uh, I spoke to my mum the other weekend about it. And uh, I asked her like about when she became pregnant with me and like when she decided all this kind of questions. I don't know. We just go off on, on a tangent. And long story short is she said that she used to get really bad periods and then they almost stopped. And every time she was off the pill, they'd stop. And I was like, Mum, that's exactly what I go through. Oh my God, you probably had polycystic ovarian syndrome. She was like, oh yeah, probably. Like literally wasn't a right. thing she was going to talk about. We just don't talk about it. Exactly, yeah. And I had a conversation with my mum where, interestingly, I made the decision, like I went through this whole process of making the decision to start on the antidepressants. And then I decided to, you know, to, Talk, say, uh, talk to people in my life about it and I rang my mum and I felt like I had to preface it with like I'm okay yeah <laughs> because it seems it seemed and I think I even said like I know this seems a bit extreme because I was worried about her reaction and of course she was completely fine about it but what was interesting is she then said and she's you know gone through the menopause now and she then said oh I mean my whole life I've I've struggled with this, you know, being like being really teary and sensitive and struggling time of the month, but it's just, that's just, mm. that's just being a woman. You know, it was very much just like, that's yeah. just how it is. And that's probably something that I've picked up from her and from other people in my life of just like, mm. that's just the way it is. Um, and then you do have that conflict of like, yeah, acceptance versus doing something about it. But it was having that, that was we talk quite openly but that was the first conversation where we'd I, we we'd kind of looked at each other well, I say looked we, we can't see each other right now but yeah <laughs> looking on the phone and been like what I am describing is exactly the experience that I've had yes I was yeah. exactly the same with my mum yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and sort of I guess a question that I was thinking about when you um sort of started explaining your experiences were um is sort of what sort of symptoms I guess made you think I need to uh, this isn't doesn't feel like my normal I probably need to speak to a doctor about this yeah um so I always the main things for me I would say are kind of like being feeling really sensitive and teary mm. um a sense of dread and I think um the, the way that I describe it that kind of resonates most is normally I walk around with like this level of this like net of resilience mm. and stressful and hard things are thrown my way and I might feel an emotion about them and I might you know I might feel sad or angry or struggle but I just have this resourcefulness that I know I can work it out yeah when I'm premenstrual it's like the bottom has fallen out it's like the resilience has absolutely hit the floor and everything feels really insurmountable and what was really interesting is I keep a journal. So I've kept a journal for two years. And this was part of the reason why it was actually so easy for me to um, get the prescription quite quickly. Because one of the first mm. things they do when you have the conversation is say, go away and keep one to two, I think or maybe one to three months of a record of your mood. And then they look at the patterns. Well, when I had that conversation with her, I was like, because when she first mentioned antidepressants, because it was at the end of the call, I said, let me go away and think about it. 
Yeah. It went away. I mapped out the dates because I track my cycles of the last two years. And I looked at those dates in my journal. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that stood out to me, I hadn't realized until looking back, was always talking about this sense of dread that I could not figure out where it had come from. Mm-hmm. So normally if I'm journaling, I'm like, I'm worried about, I have this weird feeling I'm worried about it. And I go, it's because of X, Y, Z. Oh, I've got this big thing going on late, later. Yeah. The premenstrual ones would be like, I feel like there's something bad going on and I can't place it. I feel like there's something really to worry about and I can't place it. Mm. I'm in a hole. Like everything was just so like, um, so that's probably the main, yeah, the main kind of mood related stuff. And also, again, feeds off stress and anxiety. But like one example that really sticks with me is when I was teaching. So I was doing my teacher training and teaching on, on the job. Stressful, right? Like, and this, what's, this is what's difficult to unpick about it. But yes, there was a normal level of stress that I was experiencing. But there was one time where it was, I was premenstrual. And I think the main difference was I got to, I got to work. I was like, I can't do this. And I started crying, but like, like crying to the point where I could not physically stop myself. And my mentor, I was in the staff room and my mentor at the time had to go and get my class in for the day and start them off for the day. And it was literally like, I I couldn't physically stop it. It just was coming and coming and coming. And I think that was the difference where another time in the month I might have had a little cry or I might have felt a bit overwhelmed but I would have felt in control but it was completely just like I can't stop myself and that yeah yeah and that happened that's happened other occasions as well no I I I don't know about sort of other people but I definitely can resonate with that I have moments where yeah just sort of uncontrollable um and and it's that sort of lack of control I guess that that makes you think like why and and question sort of perhaps visiting different areas that can support with that um Mm. and in terms of how how did that impact you in terms of your work-life balance because I know I know you quite well now um (laughs) and I know that you're very driven and very ambitious and I know Mm -hmm. that that can lead to not necessarily allowing enough time for downtime I don't know whether it sort of played into that at all yes and this is something I've really struggled to unpick um I've always had a pattern of doing loads of stuff getting really motivated and then suddenly it becomes overwhelming and then I'm I on reflection now I've now I've kind of unpicked it and I understand myself better would then go I can't cope with this amount of stuff but I don't want to let anyone else down. I don't want to let myself down. Why can't I just do enough? Why can't I just do stuff? Um, and then I would fall into like a bit of a hole. And I'd, I, it, it would happen on this cycle. And so I think recognizing that was really helpful, like aside from hormones, not that you can ever really s- separate things out that clearly, but if you take hormones out of the picture, I definitely recognize that as like a behavior pattern of mine. Um, and there's, there's, you know, an inner dialogue and a mental, like how I manage things cognitively that I still think I would benefit from say like cognitive behavioral therapy aside Mm -hmm. from the antidepressants. But then I think what's interesting is I think 
my hormones play into that and it's kind of trying to figure out what's that's been what's hard is like figuring out what's hormonal and what's expecting too much because my mum used to say you're expecting too much of yourself like relax you don't need to do all of this yeah (laughs) and on reflection she was right but then what what I think I began to notice is when I became aware of that and got to manage it better I would still have these natural peaks and troughs when I felt like what I was asking of myself really wasn't that much um it's it is difficult it's difficult to unpick but yeah there's kind of like an interaction of the two things I suppose no it's really interesting to hear that and actually really helpful I'm definitely learning a few things that I might think about after this (laughs) (laughs) and um there's another question that came up came to mind um as you're speaking as well um because you mentioned the word enough and I know we've spoken about that a couple of times and it features in a variety of ways in some of your other podcasts Mm. but um I guess I I just wanted to ask going off piece slightly um Mm. what how do you feel that um kind of the concept of enough has kind of fed into your your hormonal journey Ooh. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's interesting because when you think of like enough, so for example, if I'm thinking about the fact that the you know there's two weeks every month where I feel really inspired and productive, and then there's probably a week and a half where I'm premenstrual and I kind of lose that. If you're thinking about enough, it's like, am I doing enough? in those I used to call them down weeks so I'd mark them in my calendar as like power weeks which was the first two (laughs) weeks and then down weeks and and when you look at that you go like this whole idea of having you know I don't have to be superwoman I don't have to be on my a-game all of the time what does enough look like in a down week it could just be taking care of myself for example um and so is there this like external expectation that drives that resistance or that worry I guess about hormones does that make sense so it's almost it's it's kind of if there was no external expectation if we weren't going to work and having to fit this model of being productive and doing enough stuff would the hormones be a problem or would we just go with the flow and I'm on two two sides of that I suppose because I've definitely been the person that's like I need to fix this hormonal change because I'm not doing enough and I'm not on my A game. Um, however, I've also experienced the flip side where I'm like, I just want to do some basic stuff and not feel like total shit. <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, you we've know? all been there, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question there, but. Um... Yeah, in a roundabout way, you did, because, and I think that poses another interesting question, which you say sort of about it, external factors. Um, is it external or? is it partly internal or is it more societal expectation rather than actually what is it is it is it the external in terms of societal expectation or is it more internal you assume that people are going to react a certain way about it yeah and I think it's so yeah I think you probably there probably is a a worry of an external expectation and it's so loaded so I'm reading I read this after I made this decision, but um, I'm reading this book at the moment. I would highly recommend if anybody wants to like dig deeper, I've got it right here. It's called Hormonal by Eleanor Morgan. 
Nice. Um, you know, when you read a book and you're like, you see me. Like, yeah. This is, oh my God. Um, but I mention it because she's got some like really interesting stuff about, um, about this idea of like, even just discussing it is such a loaded thing because we, if we're saying that like PMS is affecting our ability to be productive um, or to do enough, we feel like there's an external judgment about our capacity as a woman because it's, yeah. it's so explicitly linked to being a woman. Yeah. And um, she, there's a quote here I'm going to read out because I just love it. She says like, women have been fighting so long to shake our image as hysterical chocolate hogging slaves to the moon cycle. Why would I want to admit that I suffer or I'm somehow less capable, stable or emotionally reliable by virtue of being a woman? Mm. And so I think that to your question about like how we think we're going to be perceived, we spent so much time trying to not seem unstable and unreliable and hysterical and feed into this way that we've we've been like pathologized to be what is a human experience is like a crazy woman that I think we can then be tempted to go the other way, which is like, I need to hide these parts and be, be enough and okay all of the time. So I don't mm. feed into that narrative. Um, no, that's wonderful. And I'll definitely be taking note of that book recommendation. I'm fascinated by it all. So was there a particular moment in time that you were like, okay, I need to speak to a doctor about this now? Or was it just by chance when you were speaking with the doctor that you, I know you said before that you mentioned it and then sort yeah. of realised? And actually, I, I, I almost forgot, but this, is ha this has happened before. Mm. And so I, th so I think what's probably helpful to mention is, like, I went on the combined contraceptive pill when I was 16. And then when I was, I'd say about 24, and I'd struggled with PMS all of that time, but I'll be honest, it was, it was less significant. I think when I was about 24, maybe 23, I, I jumped on the bandwagon of, should I be putting all of these hormones in my body? Should I be chemically altering myself? Mm. I don't know what I, my natural rhythm is because I've been on this since I was a teenager. So I came off it and that's when I noticed that my, highs were higher and my lows were lower when I'm on this like natural rhythm and I actually really liked it like I felt more like oh this is like my natural self and when I'm on my like when I'm in that great like sweet spot I actually feel fucking great like, this is amazing yeah. <laughs> so I was pretty happy with it and I went on like non-hormonal contraception but then after a few years of like riding those waves every month I was like I'm this is getting hard like these lows are lower than I want them to be but I didn't speak to a doctor I like did loads of research online which is never that helpful that because old rabbit hole <laughs> that old rabbit hole everybody everybody has a different experience with the same thing right and I remember I went to the clinic and I said I think I mentioned PMS offhand but I just said like oh I want to change my contraception I was thinking about the implant um and like everything, she's like, well, you know, the implant, there's a 30% chance you'll have no periods. There's a 30% chance you'll have all of the no, periods. There's yeah. a 30% <laughs> chance it will do nothing. You know, so it's all very, yeah. Um, if I'd spoken to a doctor, they, they, like the one I did recently, explicitly about my mood, they probably would have said, 
it sounds like from your dips that you're sensitive to progesterone. Please don't get the progesterone only implant. Um, because I did, and I will only describe it as five months of like a perpetual state of PMS. I was oh, tired, no. I was teary, I was when I got it taken out, it was literally like I felt like a cloud had been lifted within a wow. few days. Um but that but because of that experience, I then was like, stop trying to fix yourself don't like this is too exhausting trying to fuck around with your hormones find that place of acceptance and so that's when I was like and that and this is quite big now um especially like now I'm self-employed and I see a lot of people growing their like female founders growing their businesses there's this whole culture around um because you can decide your schedule put it in line with your cycle mm. which I think is you know it's a healthy yeah it's a healthy way to think about like it, that you get a sense of control knowing that if you're going to feel like you're going to struggle this week schedule less things in so I jumped on that and that worked for quite a long time but where where it changed last year is when I became self-employed I became very it became very clear to me that I couldn't get away with or it did for me it didn't feel like I could get away with having a week every month where I just couldn't do the things that I wanted to do and I saw the pattern over the course of the year fed fed as well by the stresses of everything going on but I would spend a week every month falling into like this hole a week every month picking up the pieces of everything I hadn't done while I was in the hole and then two weeks in a really good place but anticipating when the hole was going to come again yeah and the the other thing i'll be honest was when i was employed in those down weeks i would reschedule stuff in my calendar i would work from home sometimes i would take a few hours off in the afternoon because i just felt like i couldn't cope with stuff that i normally could cope with and when you're self-employed you go i can't i can't afford to like that's on yeah. my time now <laughs> i can't afford to be doing that um and that's when i was like i need to speak to somebody about what my options are because it's it just feels shit at this point like it feels really is the, is the only description that is honestly so interesting that you've just said that because you know so for listeners benefit Rachel and I were initially going to record this podcast on Thursday and mm. I postponed to Saturday because I woke up feeling rubbish and I'm in my premenstrual phase right now. Right. <laughs> and I think in part, it, it definitely does have an impact. And mm -hmm. it's only been the past two months that I've been finally, 30s this year, finally started tracking my periods because right. I know there's some sort of hormonal thing going on that I don't quite know, you know, what it is yet. But I know that something's not quite right ever since I've been off my anxiety medication you show me an advert with a dog in it I'm bawling my eyes out and mm. maybe that's not hormonal maybe it is I mean every single time I'm thinking it's probably a bit of a trend you come off medication all of a sudden I cry at everything all the time mm -hmm. um and it's not just tears it's like fully feeling all the emotion about it um yeah. so I guess another question for you then is why is it so hard for us to recognize and sort of understand our hormones oh <laughs> loaded that is question, the million dollar question. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I'm going to start with number one. I don't know how many numbers there are here, but that just feels like the place to go. I think <laughs> one thing that's difficult is that it is so different for everybody. So I have friends that are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have this. I don't have yep. PMS. And I'm like, oh, what? how did you do that? It's amazing. <laughs> um, I have friends that have the opposite. So they are more sense. I don't know if it's like an estrogen sensitivity, but where I'm in my like power weeks, where I literally feel like I'm the best person alive, um, that, that's where they struggle. Not everybody has. So I have a pretty stable cycle, like one to sort of 28 to 32 days it's like clockwork not everybody has that some people don't ovulate some people don't ovulate every time and that obviously affects your hormones so it's hard to track if you don't really know um how it's working if you're on contraception whether that's impacting it because i know for a fact i came off contraception as you said you did to just let my body be natural for a while and see if you know coming off of the hormones helped and I didn't get a period for six months, which is right. when I got diagnosed with PCOS. I had all the symptoms, not just the fact that I wasn't getting my periods. I had all the symptoms, the hair growth, the lack of energy, the doing the scan, there were cysts there, everything. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and right. you, you don't always, and, and people are just like, we put it down to, oh, it's just the time of the month or it's PMS or, or whatever is a throwaway comment. But actually it can lead to diagnosis of other things. And you're right, it is incredibly unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think something else that makes it difficult is that that where do you draw the line of what is normal or not? Um, because I've, I've spent most of my life just assuming that this was just something I had to deal with yeah. because I am a woman. And that is what is life is like. And, <laughs> and it's only now that the antidepressants are helping so much where it, honestly, it's just like, how, how did I think I had to put up with this? And it's played so much into the narrative I have about myself as an unreliable, unstable, un- inconsistent, erratic, probably all of those those female stereotypes were trying not to feed into and a, and a big part of that for me is I would always compare myself to my partner um and I seem to choose choose guys that I perceive as like stable shall we say but you know I'm always the, the boyfriends that I've had have never seemed to have that natural fluctuation um in mood at all mm. and so I'm looking at them and going what's wrong with me and I think that almost feeds into it because not their fault. They don't, they don't have a relatable experience to draw from, but you just feel like then you have to just grin and bear it because any conversation about it's kind of just like, I don't want to say like dismissed, but I think there's a wider, a much wider narrative around it just being dismissed. Like it just being like, you know, women's pain is not something to be acknowledged or not something that is important to fix or is kind of, yeah, that kind of grin and bear it mentality, I suppose. Well, it's, it's so um, sort of various TV programmes where there are throwaway comments of, um, you know, ah, she's on a period. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that so much. It really riles me up because I'm like stereotyping, but tends to be said by a man about a woman they're in a relationship with 
um, in yes. terms of the examples that you see. Um, and there's that complete lack of education and awareness. I was thinking the other day in advance of this podcast, actually, what was I taught in school about hormones and periods and how it impacted yeah. my mood? I think I learned what a period was in one science class one time when I was 14. Yeah, that was it. Do they tell you about the variations of getting your period? No. Do they tell you about the hormonal implications of your period? No. So, I mean, mm. I'm there, 14 year old girl. I just started my period. My periods were stupid heavy when I started. Horrible. I got told to go on the pill to regularize them to the extent that I've been on them for 10 years. I then stopped funnily around 24. Really funny when you gave me the timeline because it was 16 mm. to 24, more or less to the day. Stopped. And then was I oh, I've been using this contraceptive pill to regularize my periods, but my hormones have been all over the place. And uh, oh, and now I come off them. Um, I no longer have an actual cycle and I've got PCOS. Is there a pattern? I don't know. I've read into it and there are so many thousands and thousands of cases of women who've been told to use contraception to regularize their periods, come off it and have PCOS. I'm like... Mm is that the right solution I think there's, yeah. I think it's just sort of a right here's here's a throwaway solution there's not necessarily enough research into it or alternate methods to help manage it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, and when people make that throwaway comment of like oh she's on her period for some people factually inaccurate because when I'm on my period I feel great like yeah it's- <laughs> same it's the week before that it's I'm like oh yep. yeah <laughs> Yeah, and that's part of something that actually helped me to identify hormones as the problem because, and she says it in this book, this was one of these moments where I was like, you Light see bulb. me, where is it? Oh, I mean, I won't, I don't want to try. And, well, Every time you say you see me, I just think of Avatar. I don't know why, I swear there's a line in the film that's like, I see you or something like I that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, here we go. So it says like, many women who suffer from psychological symptoms of PMS were report feeling a marked sense of relief when their period starts. I quite often feel a sense of euphoria around this time, like a druggy feeling of well-being. I discover when I go to the bathroom that my period has started. This pattern has happened too many times now to be a coincidence. And I was like, that is it. This is what happened to me this week. Um, Just with tiredness. So I don't, my mood's fine now on the antidepressants, but I do get tired and I get like physical symptoms, you know, like cramps and my boobs hurt and stuff. And I had the similar thing where I was like, oh, I feel like suddenly quite awake. What's going on? And then I was like, oh, period started. So it does, it's too clear in some places for us to deny it. And I think, or feel like we have to deny it. And I think there's an, you know, to your question around why it's hard for us to to talk about hormones and um, understand them. I don't think we are given the permission to just know ourselves to just be able to say, I'm not making this up. I'm not overanalyzing it. I'm not, you know, I, I know how I know how my body works. Please listen to me. <laughs> I live in it every day and have done now for nearly 30 years, please. Yeah, I think it's really important for people to track their periods and, and to understand it because I mean, as I said, like a couple of months ago, I started using this um, app called Flow. Um, and it's not a free app I do pay for it but I was just like I don't really care to be honest I just want to find out and I'm quite lazy and it's quite a simple way of you literally add your symptoms to it and it predicts what part of your cycle you're in Mm. and when you put your symptoms it gives you helpful articles saying x amount of users on the 
on the tracker are also right. feeling the symptom at this point um so i mean it's not always like 80 percent of people feel sometimes it's only 30 because we're all different at different parts of the cycle but mm -hmm. it gives helpful well-being advice based on your symptoms and stuff like that and i find it really useful um and the reason I laughed quite a lot a second ago when you were reading the extract from the book about that feeling of euphoria the moment you realise your periods come is because I remember distinctly last month because my period was like late later by like a day or two and I was a bit like mm. and um and then it came and I, I literally went into bedroom went to my other half and was like my period's here and started doing like a shimmy euphoria dance literally and he was like oh my god you nutter um but like obviously like not in a negative or anything like that but um just like amazing but the, yeah that feeling of euphoria is real um mm. and the week leading up like my week now um he joked the day before yesterday we both joked I sort of messed him because I was like I'm so sorry I was a right bitch this morning I was so snappy about everything just like oh you know everything was pissing me off I think it was I think it was Thursday actually funnily enough all happened Thursday um and uh he he joked that I became Holly with an IE I think I said this to you before I sort of like because my 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 name is spelled H-O-L-L-Y and um, I sort of joke that I've got this alter ego that has like, is spelled IE instead. And he's like, oh yeah, became Holly with an IE yesterday. <laughs> and, and sort of, and sort of we joke about it, but, but there is a level of seriousness about that, right? Like, my yeah. goodness, you feel that I've changed that much. We joke I've become another person. Yes. That's not okay. <laughs> like, I'm the yeah. same person. <laughs> no, completely. And I have two things to say about that. One is, um, so my... I want to say diagnosis but it's just you know is I just categorize it as like extreme premenstrual syndrome but some people there's also a premenstrual dysphoric disorder which is like even more extreme um that I've, I've read a bit about online and women experiencing that describe them it's like they've become an entirely different person like extreme anger suicidal thoughts sometimes violence like completely like they've become this other person and something I find really interesting like what you just said about Hollywood the IE is like how we how we define ourselves and how like our hormones play into that and I've always had this I re only realized it when I started taking these antidepressants but it's like I went for a walk and I was thinking to myself I always talk about it as if there is Rachel and then there is rate like high Rachel and low Rachel and throughout the month I swing between the two and when I started taking meds for it and I felt really good I was like and this is just my experience and I guess it's me right so I get to define it but I was like hi Rachel is Rachel I actually think that like when I feel at my best that is me and then sometimes there's sometimes there's a dip and it was just like a subtle reframing, but it was just something that made me feel a bit more in control rather than thinking there's like this neutral Rachel that exists outside of these moods. It was like, you know, you know what, when I'm in, when I'm feeling my best, when I'm at my peak, why can't that just be me? Yeah. And one of the fears I had, I said to the doctor was my worry about taking meds is it will like even me out which sounds contradictory because I don't want the lows, but I don't want to lose the highs. I don't yeah. want to just be flat. And somebody made a really good point to me, which was maybe the highs only feel so high because the lows feel so low. I was like, mm, fair, fair point. But yeah, there's this whole thing of like, 
I think how our hormones affect how we define ourselves and our moods within that. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's really interesting what you said about kind of feeling you're either one or the other and actually there there probably is kind of you are probably in the middle and a bit it, it, you are all of these things yeah um because I was I was listening to another podcast the other day on one of my daily walks as we do at the moment um and they were talking about health just generally just health and well-being and how you're actually always on the spectrum of like on your way to perfect health but nobody's ever got perfect health perfect health isn't a thing like you can't mm. be your ultimate fitness without sacrificing your food intake and you like if you define fit as being like no body fat I mean again that's obviously depends on the definition but you're always on your always on that balance beam of like how close you are to being really unhealthy or really healthy you're always in the middle and I think defining it that way it's just kind of finding a method for you personally to be able to balance on that beam a bit better mm, rather yeah. than finding one extreme or the other all the time um yes. trying to level out and level out not being necessarily a bad thing but I see what you mean because I definitely worried that you know medicate going on medication when I went on anxiety medication three years ago would make me emotionless it would make mm. me a bit static um mm-hmm. not myself at all actually it just gave me much better control over the highs and the lows and I just found a nice even kill but still felt the good and the bad and the ugly and all right. in between just didn't feel com- feel completely out of the realm of being able to con- not control it but like be okay with it be chill with it you know roll with it um I felt more capable I guess yes yeah and I think with the like with the balance beams there's this other thing of we don't we're not static so and that makes it a complex picture because you know, with each hormonal cycle, you've got your hormones, but you've got whatever else is happening in your world at the time. But I think it's acknowledging that will change. And that does make me a bit nervous because right now I go, oh my God, I found something that works for me. But I also acknowledge that as life evolves and I get older and other things happen, it might not work anymore. Like it, that's, that might just be the reality of it. Um, and also if you decide not to be on the medication forever, like I, yeah. as I said I came off in September because I was like I've been on it a while now I feel very sort of even keel like I feel very capable I feel a lot happier in myself um so I was like oh, I'm just I think I'm okay to come off I'm on the lowest amount now and I consulted with the doctor and they said yep just let us know if you need to go back on and that was it and since as I say the emotions are unreal like the hormones have gone a bit bit batshit to be completely blunt about it and um I'm not really sure what my next method is um but uh, yeah, this talking about it does help because otherwise you kind of forget about it and just kind of try and plow on with your day, don't you? There's so much yeah. going on. It's like, yeah, whatever, I'll deal with that later. Yeah, and, and it's hard to realise that other people have the same experiences as well. Mm. Um, and I think one thing that's been great for me with the medication is it's given me a sense of clarity about what I think are the other ways that would help. So for example... I haven't until now been able to pinpoint that I think I struggle with anticipatory anxiety. Mm. Um, and I think I always have, but it's, 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 it's medicating for the hormones. It's given me a sense of clarity that goes, actually, I think I could benefit from um, some therapy or cognitive work around how I think about things. But before it was all just so meshed together 
and it was so that I felt like the hormones would take control over it I couldn't Mm. understand what was hormonal and what was maybe the way I think um and I feel like it's helped me distinguish those things a bit better and then be more in control to say okay well maybe later in the year I'll think about how I can help with that side of things and also to your point around like how you know taking medication and how that's impacted you something that actually like pisses me off to be honest now I'm doing it is I had so much anxiety about side effects because all you hear is like ooh you might you might have this side effect you might have that side effect it could affect you in this way it could affect you in that way and as everything we've been talking about it's so personal it's so individual yes you might yes you might not and you don't know and it's it's not necessarily extreme either some people have mild symptoms and actually probably more often than not do experience mild symptoms Mm -hmm. I, I mean when I started coming off my anxiety medication I got severe vertigo for a couple of days uh, which wasn't a common symptom was listed as a potential Um, but yeah it really threw me off for a a few not a few days a few weeks I think it was about three or four weeks in the end I sort of and it made me feel really nauseous but um, but that's not particularly common and actually after probably the first week it wasn't really severe I mean the first week I really struggled but um, but yeah I think I think medication is is still unfortunately stigmatized and yeah. it is there for a reason like medication has been created to make you feel better um and it's such a shame that it is still stigmatized I mean mm-hmm. yeah all right maybe you don't want to be on medication your whole life and you don't want to pump a load of different chemicals into your body and I get that and actually my other half is very anti a lot of medication mm. because he had cancer because he's been through chemo and had a lot of stuff pumped in his body he's very anti putting more in it and I get his reasons for that um but at the same time if I've got a really bad headache and I'm at work and you know I don't know there's only half an hour left of the day and I'm like there's no point sort of leaving now or or whatever probably just walk away from the screen to be honest but I'm gonna take some paracetamol you know and and not feel bad about that (laughs) yeah Um, yeah. What, what is that kind of macho culture of like macho culture that's stereotyping again but what is that kind of cultural thing of like push through yes <laughs> yeah push through you can you could manage it fix it with your will um, Drink more water <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and also and this isn't to bash the community of people that um don't want to use medication oh, yes, and want to use no, say natural stuff because i think part of my like rampage about this is everyone should be able to make their own decision based on their own priorities yeah with no judgment but what i think yeah but what i think is dangerous is which i've got caught up in is if you get if you get caught up in this idea of oh i need to i need to feel all of my womanness and i need this to just be natural and i'm not going to try and change myself because the patriarchy like it that doesn't help either because you're not you're still doing it for someone else. You're still looking at people around you going, well, they don't medicate um, and they found a way for it to work for them. And so should I be doing that as well? Am I failing because I'm making a decision that I need a medical intervention? Yeah. I think that works across the entire stage of your hormonal existence though, doesn't it? It's not just when you start or during your periods. Like my stepmom, I absolutely love and adore. And she has decided through her... Um, 
oh brain brain is not working menopause mm. <laughs> through her menopause she is going to take the natural approach she doesn't want any hormone therapy um ht i can't remember what it's called HRT. HRT, that's the one, thank you. Yeah. She doesn't want to do HRT, she doesn't want anything, she's not trying, she's not going to try, she's tried, I think, maybe some oil of evening primrose tablets, sort of more of a natural approach, but she's not doing anything anymore. She is really struggling. She's really mm-hmm. struggling with weight gain, with um, sleep, with fluctuating moods she swore at her boss the other week hopefully she never hears this podcast to say that I said that but she did and like that's so out of out of character for her and she just doesn't feel very in control and I you know my dad's very sort of oh I'm so proud of her for taking that approach and I'm like but why why is it I'm so Mm -hmm. proud that you've deprived yourself of feeling as good as you can be going through something so difficult as it can be like the menopause it's like why suffer through it I just don't understand (laughs) yeah yeah that's exactly the way I was thinking about it is almost don't be a martyr for a cause if if it's like why you don't need to suffer um and I think inevitably there will be judgment from other people or or just questions from people that don't know any a different way and I think I was quite lucky with this decision when I told friends their reaction was very open but like the reaction I was met with was um oh I didn't know like I don't understand how that works because I'm doing I'm doing luteal phase dosing so I take I do two weeks on an antidepressant two weeks off two weeks on two weeks off and you can for PMS you can take it all the time but I wanted to try this way because in theory it reduces chance of side effects because you're taking it less but also I just wanted, for me, I needed to know that it was that period of two weeks that needed, I needed help with, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But when I told people like that, you know, loads of friends that are on antidepressants or have been on them, their reaction was like, that makes no sense to me because when normally when you take antidepressants, you need to be on them for four, five, six, seven weeks before you feel the benefit. And mm. so the reaction was a bit like, what the fuck? But not in a judgmental way, which was- you know, I'm, a curious I'm, way, right? Yeah, in a curious <laughs> way. And I'm lucky that, that you know, I, there wasn't really anybody in my life that was like, that's a bad idea. But that's why I think we need to get really clear on like our own sense of what is right for us so that those kind of comments don't like wear us down as much. Um, but the fact is that it, wor- it works, or for me, it works. And there's, mm. there's various, scientific I was like reading some research papers about it as part of my decision making process and it is like like a lot of medical stuff especially with hormones a bit like we're not quite sure why um but they do know they recognize that something about the way your hormones interact with your serotonin yeah you know it helps it's a good point though and talking about serotonin like that's that is why I got put on my anxiety medication based on my symptoms and talking with a doctor a few years ago they said well it sounds to me like putting you on a low dosage of anxiety medication would help pick up or balance the serotonin levels a bit of a pickup and she drew a diagram that was really helpful about sort of hormones being a bit of a blockade to the happy hormone and then actually the medication kind of freeing that space yeah it's that um there's something there right between like the serotonin and the hormones and to, to me it just feels it, it like amazes me because it's like so I take citalopram 10 milligrams of citalopram that's what I was on was it <laughs> yes, yeah, citalopram, yeah, yeah. yeah I went up to 30 at one point and then back down to 20 and to 10 and now I'm off <laughs> yeah 
and you know like there, there can be an experimentation period and when we mentioned side effects when I first started the first day I took one I don't know if it was a placebo <laughs> I suspect I suspect it was because it wouldn't have done. I doubt it would have done much straight away. But I took one, had a coffee, and then about half an hour later, I was I felt like manic. Like George found me rearranging the shoe rack. I was like, I've got so much. I don't know what's happened. It's but after an hour, <laughs> after an hour, I completely settled down. And the first week, I had like really dry eyes. That's honestly it. I've had no no problem coming off them because because you can get withdrawal. I have no problem coming off them. I have no problem coming back on them. Like, honestly, it doesn't, apart from slightly dry eyes, I don't even notice. So I've been lucky in that, in that regard. And that's what I mean about side effects where I was so caught up with like Amazing. weighing up the options. Is it going to be worth these potential side effects? Is it not? Is it same with the contraceptive pill though, right? You have the same um, considerations. And I mm. do, and I would say like, don't take the decisions lightly because when they do fuck you around, they fuck you around and it's shit. Sorry, I feel like there's loads, of, there's loads of swearing here. I'm not going fil- <laughs> to filter all. myself. But equally, and maybe it does take you to, to for me, it kind of took me to almost be at the end of my tether. But it might not be as bad or as side effect as you think it's going to be. And there might be a possibility yeah. there that you didn't realise was there. No, and it's interesting because I never considered cytalopram as an anti an antidepressant. I was anti anxiety. Oh. So when you said antidepressant, I was like, oh, it must be sertraline or or one of the other ones. Is sertraline this one? I think so. Only I think it's the yeah, one my mum was so. on. But um, but yeah. So I was on cytalopram within like a month or two. I had no side effects at all at the beginning, at all. Um, not dry eyes, like nothing. And um, after a few months, I begin to began to feel a lot more. You know, just calm just more even keel like a bit more in control and yeah really really worked for me um yeah but then a couple of times where I've gone away for a weekend and forgotten to take them with me and I've had more than a 48 hour period without them I'd get vertigo and I'd feel nauseous mm, so like I did yeah. have like so every two weeks going on Sertalopram every every other fortnight um I don't think would work for me because of the side effects sadly but um but no it's interesting it's really interesting that um they're known as an antidepressant and that you can do that I didn't even know you could do that and it's part of the reason I mentioned it is because when you said anti-anxiety I thought actually I think citalopram is both like I think they just generically sell anxiety you chuck it out there so it's it's interesting that and 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 also I would say like I'm you know I I talk about it as an antidepressant yeah the although I get low mood with PMS anxiety is probably more of a fun, more of a symptom for me than depression is so yeah modern medicine eh no it's amazing and yeah for for that my whole life I definitely I think possibly par- partially through um my my dad's stigma against medication he's sort of very much a like last resort medicator um mm-hmm. the thought of being on antidepressants just you know blew his mind he freaked out when I told him like oh my god what's wrong sort of thing and I was like yeah. whoa 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 it's a coping mechanism it's like it's there to help like it's okay yeah. <laughs> but it was just like this big stigma but um but yeah no it's it's uh Cytalopram really I hate to use the expressions of save my life but um in all honesty uh yeah I would not be where I am today without it I was in a really bad place about four years ago so I'm very grateful um for having done a few years dosage of citalopram 
this is this is it right and I think people don't unless someone's been through it they don't re- necessarily realize what a positive impact that can be yeah um and I honestly it sounds dramatic but I would say like I would genuinely classify this as like a life-changing decision for me okay oh, honestly yeah. and something else that I've noticed with it is I feel better on the times when I'm not on it because I know that I'll be okay if you know what yeah, I mean yeah. I don't have that anticipate I don't have that constant fear of like oh something's got put in my diary that week and I'm worried I won't be able to cope with it now because I know that I'll be premenstrual I just have feel a bit more of an abundance of like that the, the storm isn't coming so we good we got this which for general well-being is is good as well so perfect don't know if you want if you have any more things you would like to mention about PMS or medication or Um, any if you've got one bit of advice you'd give someone that's sort of concerned about their hormone balance what's your one top tip I think I would say make the right decision for you and it's okay to go through that decision making process if you know what I mean so seek information like listen to conversations like this read stuff get informed um speak to a doctor but I'd also say that it's like something that I really valued about the doctor and what I will say it was it was a private doctor so it's a through a this like membership perk that I get where it's not private healthcare but it's like you subscribe 15 pound a month mm. and you can speak to doctors as much as you want and I say that because that that did make a difference for me in that I personally would have felt like I didn't want to bother an NHS doctor right now in the middle of yeah. COVID and I'm not saying that's right because it feeds into that thing of like this isn't a big enough problem but I just wouldn't and I, I also I think would have been nervous about what I would be met with whereas this specific provider was all about holistic healthcare, and yeah. so she had half an hour to give me to just talk about how I was feeling yeah I think you know if if you're really struggling with it talk to somebody about what your options are Mm. um but something yeah something I valued was it was very much presented in the way where here are your options it is your decision let's keep an open dialogue about what you want to do and every part of it was here you know so when I said I want to do antidepressants it was okay you can go on them all the time this is what that might look like you can go on them half the time this is what that might look like what do you want to do nice. and it, it was just really nice to be in that position um and I literally I did a, it probably sounds like over egging it but like I spoke to my coach about it I was like here are my options do nothing uh, combined contraceptive pill antidepressants herbal options and we talked through all of that um both from a perspective of like what I knew and from a perspective of like what did I actually know in myself? Because, mm. um, for example, we walked. I walked away with an action to like ex- talk to the doctor about potential herbal options. And when I listened to my gut, I was like, I know I don't want to do that. Why am I pissing around? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, because I think I should, because maybe it's good to not put medication in my body. But I already know that I'm expecting it not to work. Yeah. There's no point. So it was just like, cross that off the list. Get rid of, like, weed out what are your shoulds. And right now, um, if you don't mind me asking, feel free to mm. shut me down. Um, are you using a sort of a combined contraceptive pill at the same time as being on citalopram or have you chosen a different method? So I have the non-hormonal coil. Okay. Um, and 
when I spoke to the doctor about managing the PMS, the two options were antidepressant or combined pill. I was reluctant to go on the combined pill because I have been on it before. And although I think it was, be it was better, I wanted to see what like more could be done. Also, I have a family history now of deep vein thrombosis. Okay. And so although she did kind of leave the ball in my court to make the decision, they do recommend you, you don't take the combined pill. Um, and that only leaves you with the progesterone only option, which I have discovered. It doesn't work for you thing. at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. So the comp for me right now, the non hormonal contraception and then the antidepressants is, has been the best combo <laughs> combo so far. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And one final thing is just in case anyone missed that wonderful book recommendation that you yeah. gave, um, can you remind us what that, the name and title of the book, the author name and title of yes. the book is? And I put this in the show notes. Fabulous. Uh, this is Eleanor, Mor Eleanor Morgan Hormonal, a conversation about women's bodies, mental health, and why we need to be heard. Fabulous. So that's got, it's, it's, there's a huge chunk, chunk a huge section on PMS because she literally talks about everything that she's tried and her journey's not, not been easy and also is kind of still unresolved, mm. um, which is good, like kind of good to hear about. But she also talks a lot about, um, things like infertility and um menopause and yeah as you to your point before like the whole hormonal life Journey, cycle that we yeah go on. yeah and also breaks down a bit of the there's a whole section to break down the biology of it so explaining the different um cycle what do you call it the different parts of your hormonal cycle stage and, cycle yeah cool. yeah I'd recommend. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute thank well. Thanks for entrusting me to uh, to host your beloved podcast. Yes. I feel very privileged. No, thank you so much for uh, for hosting. I, it's so funny being on the other side. I feel like I'm like blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> Thank you so much for making it to the end of today's episode. I hope there were some strong takeaways for you there um, that really resonate and hit home with what it is that you need right now as you navigate your PMS journey. We are now at the end of season one. Can you believe it? I'm now off literally to start recording everything for season two. I'm really excited about what's coming up next. I'm going to release a little teaser episode in the coming month. Um, but I would appreciate so much if you would leave a review, whatever your platform is that you listen to this on. Uh, just share your thoughts rally up people get more people listening would be of huge appreciation from me see you again soon bye bye